What up? Hello, hello, hello. Testing. Testicles. Testicles. Mm. Cello. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Beautiful. I can't promise nothing. Oh, That's man. why we're doing video. Huh? <laughs> so I can't promise. When you said beautiful, I can't promise nothing. That's why I do video. Oh, so we're <laughs> we're doing video? No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. That's why I do audio. Uh, also, I, I don't know. I smoke a lot of weed, and apparently I can't get words straight today. So this, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, good, bro. <laughs> you got any faith in me? I do. Oh, good. You've right been on. doing that makes longer than me. Why are you starting? What? Are you starting? You doing any podcasting? No, this is uh, this mm -hmm. is like my second one. Oh, that you've in right now. I thought I was even meaning hosting, but you, oh, this no, is the I second that you've been invited to. I got yeah, you. Yeah, I haven't even uh begun to tap into podcasting and shit yet. Can be fun. Yeah. Some days. Then other days I completely fuck up and call a kid that uh, I thought <laughs> was one somebody. I, I recently did a podcast where I completely mistook who the guy was. I reached out to him on a contact in my phone. I was like, oh, man, I lost contact with you. That's so cool. I found this somebody else. He was excited to come on the podcast. Had nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Just a real long, uncomfortable when I'm trying to pull stories from him about, you know, his uh, he, he's a shoehead great kid I, I hope to pop to post it i guess still but um i thought he was a different character and i'm asking about his grandfather and how he got him into it. he's like no it's my dad and like anyways god bless it yes that's some days and then other days there's days like today when we have on ink master contestants and alumni that um like yourself that, that bring you know prestige <laughs> i don't know about all that but Oh, no, you ain't going to. Come on. Give me a little bit. Like, you got to let me, you know, play it up. If oh, you yeah, will. for sure. The illusion for the confusion. Like, this is a big deal, man. As a matter of fact, we're going to cut out the part where you said you've only been on two podcasts or, or else we'll have to add something. Here, let me add this. Well, that was because you were filming those two movies, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. True story. We just edit that part in to the back half of the convo and then. Right on. Only two podcasts because, you know, film, Cannes Film Festival. Hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio. Fuck yeah, dude. He's my twin brother. Speaking of, let, let's get, <laughs> I, I apologize to even get, but you know what? I'm, I'm kind of tired with Ink Master at this point. I bet you are somewhat some days too. Yeah, man, of course. You know, it gets, it gets tiring, but without that little experience let's call it right like mm -hmm. we wouldn't be educating the fucking you know the populace of the world with the not just uh man i'm fumbling words right now uh, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> i'll give it to you i'm used to it about, about tattoos man and how you know they can really influence people's lives it could uh, it's self-expression. Mm -hmm. It's not just like this old school stigma about, you know, oh, bikers and gangbangers and all these people have tattoos. No, doctors, lawyers, fucking mm -hmm. you name it. Everybody has tattoos now, man. And 
Well, I like that you touched on that there's like a, is there a feng shui for a tattoo? No, you man. Know? I feel like whatever. Well, like if, you if know, I like, got money over bitches on my throat, <laughs> I've often yeah. thought that I would probably never end up with either. That so, is a pretty good stay away from type of omen. I kind of I feel like you you touch on that when you say we're educating people um not just for uh the tattoos and the aesthetics and that and this but also how they could affect their lives. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I'll tell you one fucking fucked up story. And this was probably That's what we're here for. Uh-huh. Yeah, about 10 years ago this uh very very big probably about six foot seven 400 pound man comes into the shop and this is back when we did like walk-ins and stuff at my old shop yeah and comes, comes in the shop turns sideways and ducks no he like well yes yes absolutely big guy big yeah guy. big guy but also if he's rich enough that's your dream client right well if he's got yeah. deep pockets you're like a lot of skin let's just start scheduling years in advance yeah i mean you would hope so but uh-huh. it was a little bit different than we Uh-oh. all expected. The guy comes in, and he's a fucking scary-looking dude. He had a very straight, stern face. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want to get a tattoo. And we're like, what do you want to get? Sure, let's do it. He's like, I want to get big block letters. I hate my mom on my fucking forehead. And we huh. were all, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> I and- hate my mom on my fo- Okay. Yeah, and he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I really want to get this tattoo. And we're like, why? And he's like, because I hate my mom. Yeah, but it seems like there could be ramifications. Sure. (laughs) So, you know, we all tell him, come back tomorrow, man. Think it over. Sleep it on me. If you really want it, you know, you can get it. It's your body, whatever. Um, So we made him come back the next day. He comes back the next day with the same attitude, you know. Nice. Yes. How how long into your career is this? Oh, this this is... Well, I've been tattooing 28 years, so probably, yeah, 18 years in. <laughs> okay, right on. So what you weren't you weren't a greenhorn. This is the first time something as crazy as that had occurred, though. Well, yeah, I mean, not necessarily as crazy because I've done some crazy shit, but right as serious of a staple statement on your yeah, fucking on your forehead, on your forehead, big block letters, you know, and uh, he's he already attracts enough attention to himself just in his sheer size and the way he goes around looking at people. And uh, so we made him, we made him come back the next day. And then we told him the same thing, man, dude, just give yourself one more day. You know, your (laughs) your feelings might subside in the next 24 hours. And this is kind of permanent, you know, and it's on your face. For the sake of the story, I'm hoping he didn't listen to you. No, he didn't. He came back to <laughs> and he's like, all right, dude, I've had enough. Let's fucking let's let's do it. Yeah. So I decided I wasn't gonna do it. And I gave the tattoo to one of the other artists, name is BJ Storms. Um, and he ended up doing the tattoo, took a picture, put it on the internet, obviously. And that thing went <laughs> viral. It went so viral, you could still Google it to this day right now. Just tat the I hate my mom tattoo. And you'll wow. see the guy with this tattoo on his forehead. And there have been blogs and shit in the in the Chicago Tribune newspaper of this guy with this I hate my mom tattoo yes. on his forehead, terrorizing the fucking CTA trains and people on the trains. 
because he's a he, psychopath, crazy person. He terrorizes people. Yes, that- he does. And now he's got a a unmistakable. Yeah, that's the guy. You know, yeah, tattoo <laughs> on his fucking forehead. That's just like, here you go. This is me, and yeah, I do these things. And this I'm- is Chicago, right? Yeah, this is Chicago, man. So he's he's on the public transportation system in uh, heavily and and I mean couldn't you also say don't date me I have psychological problems wouldn't there would be so many other things that you could say uh, sure. as well yeah. as like this guy might likely stab you yeah he could have just as easily said I will likely stab you um also kill you with his bare hands he's that fucking big I'm curious how <laughs> did, this went viral for the artist. How how did that treat him though? Was it good or bad? What was his experience? Did people line up the next day to get tattoos of the same kind? He's like, no, nah, he's the guy that does the forehead tattoos. No, yeah, <laughs> it was more comical, and you know, like I don't think anybody at first thought it was like real. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. oh, this is some fucking bullshit. And this is also, like I said, ten years ago. Shit, man, dude. No, it wasn't ten years ago. That was in like 2007. Where the hell is my brain? <laughs> yeah, like, dates. You know, in the great scheme of things, time is arbitrary, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long time ago. It was like 2007. And it's still out there. First thing that pops up on Google when you search, I hate my mom tattoo. How about this? How often does anybody from the shop or anybody that you come in contact with see this guy? Oh, yeah. It's been a very long time. Oh really? Also, don't really that's... associate with people outside the shop very much unless it's at a convention. I kind of okay. like, you know, with the whole Ink Master thing, people even still like they're they're re-airing the shit right now, and it's you know it was just on MTV my season particularly, and it's like stirring shit back up again where people are like, oh, you're that guy, and it's like. Yeah, leave me the fuck alone, man. <laughs> well, has that I, I felt that way the first time a bit. I, well, not leave me alone, but like I felt like an invasion of my privacy a lot of times. And like I had to be somebody else. And then when it came out the second time for us on um on uh, Netflix, I was like, I'm gonna start a podcast. Smart. Like, let's do something with this, right? What um did it is it inspiring this new resurgence? in your your season is it inspiring you in any other way any positive way other than obviously uh leaving everybody alone on on the a train yeah no what it's inspiring me to do is i i really want to get back on there um for me not for anybody else but for me because there's something that really bothers me about the way my season went and you know like I didn't feel like I got enough A, airtime. B, I don't know if you watched my season, but I had to go up against Josh Payne. Yep. In- Juan Salgado. Yep. Juan as well. Salgado, all these guys, right? But particularly. Heavy hitters. Yeah. Which is no big deal to me. Um, the thing that really bothered me, though, I had to go and do a one-on-one challenge against Josh. And we had to do mm-hmm. photorealistic tigers. And he did a fucking crooked eye goddamn tiger man you know and you know chris nunez too is 
forever the cut guy, right? You cut a motherfucker, you go home. In my yeah. season, it was teams. It was I was on Team Steve. There was Team DJ and Team Anthony, right? On yes. my team, the first guy that got kicked off, he it was because he cut a person. Uh, I, I, you know, too much outlining, too much right. going. He cut a motherfucker. He went home. Josh throughout the season cut two people before the crooked eye tiger person. Nope, didn't send his ass home. Didn't even fucking scrutinize him. He didn't even go to the bottom for a cut. But my teammate gets uh, kicked off for a fucking cut. That's, you know, it's a bunch of fucking bullshit, if you ask me. You know, like, favoritism. And imagine, you imagine there's, yeah, favoritism. What do you think uh, might have played into that? Do you think it was a look or an attitude that those people had? Or you think it was just they had different targets that day, you know, people going home and such? Yeah, it could be a multitude of different things, but it definitely has to do with favoritism. Josh was, you know, the big mouse and the drama creator of the entire season for us. And I think that he was the most lively person, which is a good and bad thing. Um, But for him, because of the direction that he decided he was going to take with it, it annoyed a lot of people and just everybody in the entire house, all of everyone just wanted him to go home. And I thought that was, I thought that was like a little harsh because Josh, nice guy. I love Josh, you know, outside of that fucking experience on that show. I've um, often said, I have no, I, I've, I met Josh outside of the show. If I had to compete with him, I, I mean, I love him. I don't know, man, that'd be a tough one to love him there because even meeting him, hanging out with him in the same booth with him, having mutual friends, me and James Vaughn and Josh were hanging out that weekend. We got to roast James Vaughn that weekend. I got to roast Josh as well. And he is the person that you see on TV, to be honest. You know what I mean? It's kind of like up to you to be able to take him. And in yeah. the right setting, you absolutely can because it's hilarious. You yeah, know? exactly. And he's all but for it. That's if I'm competing against him, oh shit. Yeah. And if you're if you're if you're competing against him, what? Oh, then then fuck. It's I like I can only imagine how the tensions would run because you'd be like, dude, but come on, calm down. You know, like that's getting hot. Like it's not the time to press there. Yeah. But see, me and him never had that dynamic at all. Even when we competed against each other on that one to one thing. Mm-hmm was extremely nervous because he doesn't normally do photorealism and that's what I do. So he was like, oh, fuck, man. You know, like, this is going to be tough. And the big, 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 big mistakes that I made on that show is I knew from other people that I knew that were on the show before me were like, don't show people your fucking portfolios. Don't show people your fucking Instagram. Make it mm-hmm. private, you know. You don't want the competition to automatically paint a target on your back. So, what I did was not only that, but I was doing like not my best work throughout. Oh, you sandbagging? Yeah, dude. I didn't. Want- <laughs> oh, I I already. Knew- but you have the handy. You work in a handicap well. for 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 the end game. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, okay. because then I'll fucking come out like. Here I am, bitch. This is really me. And you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. 
but you were keeping the target off your back. But do you think that didn't raise your stock though enough with the people that this is our imagined conspiracy, but many of us feel this way that that for the people that really mattered, the, the executives, Andrea and other people that make the decisions about who goes home or who pressure the decision about goes home. I don't want to say they make it. I think the judges make the decision, but I, I think it's obviously heavily pressured for the interest of an exciting show. It's like, uh, Hey, Nunez and Oliver, do you guys want to make a paycheck? Cool. I bet you do. Do you want to make a paycheck again next year? That's going to require some different work. You can just make a paycheck and keep your integrity, you know, or you can make a paycheck next year. And that might mean integrity gets, you know, some leeway. Right. So do you think that you didn't possibly impress them because you were sandbagging early on enough to really let them know what they had or did you have a producer that knew your talent and and was kind of with you like yeah yeah i can't wait to pull it out yeah so i don't want to name names but yes a producer knew who i was and were they were they prodding you like keep it to yourself or were they like come on get out and do it she kept on pushing me to not only speak up because you know mm. i wasn't very vocal in the, in the very beginning you know it was all new to me i didn't know that they actually were looking for characters and it was like mm-hmm. somewhat you're acting a part you know what i mean i didn't understand all that at first i, I was just there to mainly yeah. compete with my artwork right and i just wanted to stay <laughs> as much so when- off mm-hmm. the side and less of a target because I also knew that people's agendas were, if you were a good artist, they don't want to go up against you at the end. They want to go up against the, you know, one of the lower artists so they can easily steamroll you and fucking win. Right. So and usually select a, okay. I find that they usually also, find a motive for attacking that person that is not because they're weak, but instead is because they don't belong or something. It's like, I'm not doing this for the easy win. I'm not scared of any of these guys. I'm doing this because he doesn't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> and I did think that about a bunch of people that were on my season. Well, when they but come then- to you to ask you to talk up though, you're not really caring to talk up. Cause you're like, all right, I, you, I'm an artist, right? Exactly. And that should piss me yeah. off. I'm not there to, to, to start drama with these people that I have to see for the rest of my life outside of this show in a professional thing. Well, let's talk about you going back then. What happens when you, if you go back, I imagine that you recognize more the possible importance of playing that same game. Yeah. Would you, so what I'm going to do? Oh, what would it be? I am going to be a motherfucking asshole and (laughs) I am not going to hold a goddamn thing back. With my art, with my um, my personality as mm-hmm. who I can be, because dude, I grew up rough. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up in Chicago in some really rough shit. In you know the eighties and nineties here, where things were fucking bad. Now, I mean, it's still bad with. You know, 
guns and you know murders and fucking blah 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 but you gotta put yourself out there in to get yourself into that situation where you're gonna get in trouble with that shit because you feel like when you were younger it was more around intangible oh yeah dude it was insane like you couldn't look at a person you could also say different things back then now it's all that's not pc bro you know and we're fucking getting participation trophies for second place in soccer games and basketball and you know what i mean it's everybody's so fucking soft and easy to hurt their fucking feelings nowadays that it's just it's terrible man it's really you feel that in chicago then or just if you're experiencing everywhere 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 and the internet is making that shit so much worse i i've i lament some of it but i feel like sometimes that's just my old guy in me not too long ago outside of a tattoo convention center we were uh, walking and i heard a girl young girl uh she was working security there or something so i'm guessing 18 to 25 at best and she had said uh something like that's that makes me feel and then she began to say a certain way completely entitled to her feelings and how she felt and at first my reaction was gives a fuck how you feel bitch feelings ain't got no place in this and then i thought well isn't that the hierarchy isn't or not the hierarchy isn't that the next you know like evolution of consciousness is to at least know how you feel and then to you know communicate that with the other person so that they you can have a conversation built on understanding and instead, I have this desire through my crazed upbringing. Like, fuck your feelings, man. Shut up about your feelings. You ain't got no room for feelings. Yeah. I don't. I do. You, I, are we the old men shaking our fists at the at the kids that are actually possibly doing better than us? Yeah, man. And you Will know they what? pave the way for peace? <laughs> what? Uh, I think I think they're they're trying in their heads to pave the way for peace, right? Because that's ultimately what everybody wants is to live prosperous with each other, right? And it's, there's too there's too much confliction in people's upbringing. So you got people that are our age that are parents, right? And then you have people that are our age that are parents in really rough areas that still have their you know 15 16 year old attitudes as grown men and Mm. and teaching that to their children still and they're out here being fucking crazy i see a video every fucking day of all these people bum rushing like targets and not just targets and like walmarts and stuff but small mom and pop neighborhood like little groceries oh, like a like a grab and snatch mob or something yeah dude and just you know jumping the counter hitting a dude in the head with a fucking pistol and cleaning out the cash registers and taking everything that they want and terrorizing this fucking is this, this because it's locally court. in your area that you're seeing this or or is it the oh, yeah. algorithm now they're just feeding it to you maybe they know you like it well yeah that that's also i guess a part of it too because I do catch myself watching those videos in pure disgust. Because <laughs> All right. It's it, it is. It's fucking disgusting. It and it's the people that are doing that snatch and grab bullshit were going to those stores 
when they're in grammar school, grade school, whatever, as little kids taking their little dollar and going to get some fucking candy and, and loving life. And now that same store with those same people that own it, that are just trying to make ends meet with these little stores living their dream are, are they're going in there now as, as like teenagers force. adults. And or just, at least you feel. I imagine that maybe they didn't. They weren't so happy when they were younger. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that these people that are derelicts of society and uh, and terrible people were probably to have terrible upbringings. I can't oh, be yeah. positive. That's my, point. That's my whole point. So you have these other people that are soft as fuck, and then you have these people that are over extreme in in. Uh, their rough upbringings and when those two worlds collide you have chicago i'm pretty sure that's what they call south side isn't it yep exactly (laughs) and then who's gonna fucking end up on top man not the soft ass little motherfuckers that want peace you know what i mean well according to jesus we all learn eventually (laughs) from our evil and uh and there is an air of peace ushered in i don't know when i don't know when yeah, I don't know, and, but I'd love to see it. Because all I want to do is go to work every day, come home, and enjoy my family and enjoy life. You know, kick back and relax. Yeah. You know, well, where are you watching these videos? That's my first advice to you: is is whatever that is, stop. I got lucky. TikTok started out for me. On what is it? It pop up on Instagram, man. Because I watch, okay. like, I follow these like criminal videos, and you know, like uh, unfollow that crime shit you know but i still kind of it's my news basically right like it's me trying to figure out what the fuck else is going on outside of my little bubble what if it's actually your fear personified and this thing knows that you like fear and so it gives you fear because you you uh respond to it no see so that's the thing i Mm. i don't have that as i don't look at that as a as a fear i look at it in like I said before, disgust, because as I mentioned before, I lived that shit. You know what I mean? I grew up with that shit. I grew up with all these violence at the, at the corner store, kind of Yeah, and walking home from school and seeing a motherfucking dead body. Like it's, it, you know I mean, it's fucked up. Seeing For real. Daylight. Like, yeah, it's, wow. I had a lot of shit. So it kind of numbed. What kind of neighborhood were you growing up in? Was it, uh, Affluent, um, middle class, or lower? No. So I bounced around a lot. Your uh, fr- your last name's French. Is it French or Italian? Italian. Yeah. Okay, right. And well, you had that mob money then. Come on, let's be honest. You had that John Gotti <laughs> money. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> You're like, I so, hate these violent streets. I'm running these violent streets. So parts of my life, you know, I, I was on the south side of Chicago, and that's where a lot of the really super rough shit that I saw went down also living on the north side of chicago where it's supposed to be nice right um you, you get got to keep up with the joneses you okay, get, yeah, you get pocket you know, violence it's not even that it's like pocket neighborhoods so like a little small little pocket of a neighborhood is nice and then you go one block over and it's fucking all gangbangers and shit like that you know and my high school was all full fucking gangbangers and you know what I mean? And it was, how does that make a little art kid? I'm guessing you're an art kid then too, right? Were you a, a jock at all? What, what do you use as yeah. your defense? I mean, I back did, and forth. 
I studied Kung Fu for like nine years. And I did play football and I ran track. I played basketball. Who the fuck? Who put you in Kung Fu? I did. I Dude, wanted it. How my, do you miss that? But come on. You know, as soon as you pull out some of them Kung Fu moves, they're going to not that I'm saying they won't work, but those motherfuckers, you, you just got a fight went from you and one other dude. You do that Kung Fu shit to now you're fighting with seven other guys, because even if you win, they're going to challenge you. I wanted to see what the guy with his I was going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so you're absolutely right. None of that shit, <laughs> like the fighting styles don't do things for you in the real world. They do shit for you, like in competition settings where, mm. you know, you're you're actually practicing that art. Did on you ever get one on one level? Did you ever get face to face with like some gangbanger and you did some uh, axe kick or something? No. So what, okay. what what it does do for you is teaches you crazy amounts of discipline the body hardening is another thing you know you learn how to fucking take hits iron man the best parts about it is learning how to hit people and where to hit people to cause fucking damage and that is really beneficial you know and aiming for targets and waiting for the right opportunities and you know studying your opponent very fast like you have to adapt pretty fucking quickly but you're not throwing kicks dude not in real world situations you never i never use my legs in real world for fear of getting taken down oh yeah and have they grab that appendage you know they have that one up on you like a motherfucker Uh, and if you're fighting more than one person the ground is not the place you want to be no no Hell no. In my old age, what I'm figuring out to do is run away. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Wait, what What do you say? Who beat the shit out of you? Oh, I've gotten the shit beaten out of me plenty of times by like gangbangers being jumped by fucking like seven to nine people, you know, like mm-hmm. stealing all my shit off of me, taking my shoes, my jacket, you know, and uh, those situations are what is like, fuck, man, I need to do something. And now, most people are going to say, let's move this kid out of there. Your parents were not economically able to? What? No, they weren't. Also, I wouldn't fucking tell them half of the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Because I had my friends in the area that I didn't want to move away from. But I was also okay. always and forever the only fucking white boy. You know, I was white boy that this, white boy that, white boy this, white boy that. That's all I heard my entire life. White boy, white boy, white boy, white boy, white boy. You know, um, so that really fucking bothered me too a lot. The racial component of uh yeah. of of noticing that you're not in the larger group in the majority. Yeah, and if people yeah. people are using it amongst that majority against you. And yeah, and they also knew that it was a button to push. You know, but these are your friends. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, even them. <laughs> okay, okay. Even them. But them, it was tolerable because, you know, it was said with love. Also jokingly, because, you know, they knew that it pissed me off. So it was like, you know, hey, white boy, hey, white boy, what are we doing today, white boy? You know what I mean? So it was like, all right, for them, it was a little bit in a different tone, in a different context, you know. It was the white boy named Parisi. Oh, white boy. Maybe I've just watched the Goodfellas too much. 
<laughs> maybe everything to me comes down to a Robert De Niro movie as soon as I hear something ending like an eye. But uh, I don't know. It didn't. It seems more like uh, you'd be the gangster when I, or or the crazy white boy. Were you not that guy too? Oh yeah, it was fucking insane. He, used, okay. he called the wrong thing, looked at me the wrong way. I'll bust a forty bottle over your fucking head. You know what I mean? I was. I hit you. Did you feel that was a necessity to? Otherwise, you were just going to be the pushover white boy. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yep. I will. Fuck so. How do you develop this? You're an amazing artist. I don't even think I got to stroke your ego on, on how great an artist I find you to be and have seen your work and obviously even Ink Masters, but the tattoos beyond that, your Instagram itself is is amazing. Where does Thank that you. develop? That doesn't develop fighting kids in the streets. Did that develop no. kind of staying off the streets, hiding away and being like, this is my secret thing, or did you let other people know you did that too? No, yeah, so living on in those uh situations when i was 16 uh i started tattooing people and how i got to where i am now we're tattooing those fucking thugs and gangbangers but i did not tattoo gang related tattoos on any of them i refused to do that because i knew that by doing that i was painting a target on them and putting their own lives in danger. And I explained that to them. Yeah. And I to a bunch of them. And I actually helped them. You know, I do a lot of cover-ups now. And when I was first starting at that young age. Very, very talented cover-ups. If anybody, let's hit your Instagram. It's just your name, right? Gary Parisi. Yeah. Just like you would think it would be spelled too. No double anything. No, I, I wanted to imagine like seven R's and all kinds of like a silent CH or something. It's just like it says, Gary Parisi. And yeah. the cover-ups that you do are almost, people would would not imagine they're possible. Yeah, they shouldn't be. But that was also from starting at that young age. I was helping these guys cover up their fucking gang tattoos in the very beginning of my career, man. How did that affect them and you? I mean, you must have felt good about it. I'm guessing. I felt great about it. Yeah, I felt great about it. I fucking despised everything about gangbangers, man. They're not just from being jumped and fucking, you know, all that from a bunch of gangbangers in a lot of different situations because, yeah. you know, you don't belong here or, you know, they wanted my fucking stuff. You know what I mean? Or in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong fucking time and stupid shit like that. Like, it was helping them step away slowly, Right. Yeah. Get your fucking shit together. This is stupid. You're fighting for these so-called streets that don't even fucking belong to you, belong to the tax-paying fucking people that are living in these, you know, houses that are on your fucking block, right? That you're claiming uh, for yourself. It's hard to see like that at that young age because you're running those. You're unchecked at right. the right level. I follow. But, it, yeah, they definitely do... I'm guessing the best part is to see that these people then become productive members of society and can maybe even pass some some education about how to be right with society to their children. Exactly. That's the main goal. You know, you want to mold your children into being something better than yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want them to be exactly the same as you. You want them to be fucking better. I don't know. Maybe, man. I still want to, I still want at least two to three points on him in a basketball game, right? Like, 
I want him to be yeah. able to try real hard, but I want him to know that dad can whoop that ass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you might be talented kid, but no kidding. Yeah. I've, I think the goal of every parent is probably that their children have a better life and uh, th than they themselves. Your father as well, right? Yeah, of course. Um, but he passed away when I was like 21 or 22 years old. Oh my shit, dude. I, I had I've no idea. For a long, long, long time. He didn't even get to see um like where I am today, you know, like the not even like the very beginning stages. He was actually not so happy of a camper when I decided that at the age of 16 to start tattooing people. He thought it was going to be a dead end thing and a waste of my talents as an artist and a waste of my time. And, you know, the whole fucking biker stigma, you know what I uh -huh. mean? You're going to fall in with the wrong crowd and you're going to fucking be tattooing these fucking bikers and you're going to end up, you know. Did he have other options he was suggesting? Yeah, he wanted me to get like a real job <laughs> I was I gonna say, that's... Out of fucking high school at the age of 16 for fucking fighting and stupid shit like that and ended up having to get my ged you know yeah. i just and he was not happy about that either obviously uh and he wanted me to pursue a real job so what i was doing was at the age of 16 i was tattooing in the at night oh, i just lost you hello yeah i'm here you here can you hear me? Hello. Candy, I can't hear him. Hello. 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 You turn it looks like you might have turned your mic off, bro. Hello. Are you there now? I said I am here now. Sorry about that. You were saying at 16. Yeah, at 16. So at 16 years old, I was tattooing my friends at nighttime. Uh, I worked as a house painter on, you know, like odds and ends jobs. And then I worked as like a parts delivery guy slash garbage truck mechanic during the day. And I fucking smoked weed all the time. So, like, <laughs> my dates were extremely fucking busy. And then I That's met right. I met my uh, my wife now. I met her. At 16? At that young? No, no, no. At, uh, so I did all of that from 16 until I was, like, like uh, 22-ish. So I met my wife. Well, you know, she was my girlfriend at that time like six months before my dad passed away and then he passed away. She helped me through all of that stuff. And she's like, you know what? You're, you're, you, we need to get you into a place where you're completely happy and not overstretching yourself. So she not forced me or pushed me. She kind of guided me in the right direction to actually go and work at she a tattoo you? yeah to go to a, a, an actual tattoo shop and if i wanted to pursue the career of being a tattoo artist then i needed to be in a shop and that shop in the city back then in um 
you know, the late 90s or whatever it was, was fucking this place called Jade Dragon. And I have a- not in Chicago or not in Iowa. There's a there there was a jaded dragon, I believe, in Iowa too. Is that Jason Evans? What is um this was Jade Dragon or Jade? Yeah, a jade, like the colored oh that one's neon. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Jade Jade Dragon. It that was, was the big deal? Yeah, it was uh there was like only three major tattoo shops in the city of Chicago back then and this guy his name was fat joe he put like you know a million almost two million dollars into advertising every year like he bought out basically every letter in the fucking phone book that had to do with tattoos and he was like mm-hmm. triple a tattoo triple b tattoo you know all <laughs> see this see that all the same fucking phone number so if you were looking for a place to get a tattoo that would be and, it and if jay dragon had a bad name and they were looking for a different shop other than jay dragon there was a fucking can, number that would end them up going to it's almost like having a, a website now right that would keep on backdooring people to the same website exactly and billboards but for for the kids at home can you explain to them what a phone book was <laughs> a phone book was a directory <laughs> that was alphabetically categorized by names of businesses and people that you had to uh, flip through and it was a big ass giant fucking book that weighed about 20 pounds <laughs> yeah, and then there was one a tattoo and a one tattoo and triple a tattoo also you could get first in the phone book right right that yeah. was you wanted to be the very first if people started looking they would start in the a's tattoos a's a a tattoo a a a tattoo a a a one tattoo a plus My, tattoo all of that a shit, plus man. and this guy would have all those numbers then he, he would buy all those listings and then oh, have them all link up to you guys so you got yeah. a job at that shop i did yeah the big shop with the Kunas, were there any big names? Did anybody go on to uh, any affluence? Chicago's got a lot of great tattoo artist history, right? Yeah, it does. Um, like Guy Etchinson and mm-hmm. Hannah Etchinson and Kim Sai and yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah, when Kat Von D started her uh, shop, didn't she just go to Chicago and take all the girls there? <laughs> basically, yeah, she did. Yeah. Basically, she did. Sure. Um, what? Yeah, she did. She took fucking Kat, or she took Kim Sai and uh, Hannah Etchinson for sure. She took those then, two. What was there anybody in your shop that you were working with that uh, end up going to be stars, or that you felt were stars there that you learned from? Oh yeah, do you know who Picasso Dular is? Yes, he was on like two different seasons of Ink Master. Yes, he's he's amazing. He's uh, I always feel like he's like even in conversation. Sometimes I think he's meditating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. He and I worked together at Day Dragon for a couple of years together. I was there before him and he came and then left and I stayed. But yeah, um, he he came out of there. Um, uh, Awesome dude. That works with me now. His name is Ralph Corona. Um, he worked with me at Jade for many, many years, and he stayed there even after I left. 
Was there anybody when you come in that was your big influence and uh, kind of guided you, or was this all? Because up to this point, oh, it's pretty much no, all self-taught, was, right? Yeah, all those motherfuckers there. That place was cutthroat as fuck. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So bad they would they water in your black down, bending your needles. Oh, dude! Not only that, like back then we had those big ass DC power supplies, right? Mm-hmm. And they would pour fucking water in them shits and fucking set your shit on fire. And dude, like I was so fucking bad. Did this ever happen to you? Yeah, my first day, they set my fucking power supply on fire. And then that joke with what gas? No, they they poured like alcohol and water in my power supply while it was plugged in. You know, you imagine. Oh wow! Those it wasn't one of the little small tiny power supplies. No, you're talking about the radio, right? The Spalding and Rogers. Yeah. Looks like you would be able to like have a ham converse ham radio conversation with somebody in Antarctica. Yeah, for sure. All right, hold on really quickly. Yeah. I guess my wife ordered some food. I'm sitting on my front porch and I have Rottweilers that are fucking going crazy right now. <laughs> no problem, so, brother. I want to grab this before they try to break through the door. Sorry about that, boss. Oh, you're good. Glad you're eating. And it's it's already been fun to hear those guys. You got more than one Rottweiler? Yeah. Yeah, I got a 165 pounder and like a 130 pounder. One of the nicest breeds that can eat your face. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> when I'm at home, you know, I work so fucking much and, you know, I have daughter and a wife, you know, I have to have protection for them in the house while I'm gone working. Right. So I figure they're like velociraptors, man. You know, you walk in, you see one of them, but you don't see the other one from the side. So if you get one of them, you're still getting mauled by another. <laughs> and they're but well, nighttime generally you know. if from my days as a criminal i can't say that can i say i mean well i understand the criminal mind if if you're dealing with anything usually it's opportunistic it's not really planned out unless you're really doing some some uh john Gotti stuff you know nobody's like hey then we're gonna get in there so it's opportunistic. And when you hear a dog bark or know there exists a dog there, you go to the neighbors anyways, just for the barking. Yeah, exactly. But when they, yeah. when you add in some kind of breed, like a Rottweiler, then you're like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> right? right. Malamutes, uh, German shepherds, Rottweilers, German shepherds. I'm even careful just around. <laughs> like if you own a German shepherd, like, and we're hanging out, the dog seems really normal. Like, they, I don't know, they're a special breed. You know, they're they're bred for that, for that protection. You know, so for like sure. you hand a dude a joint and you might lose your hand. <laughs> you know, like don't, don't come too close to my owner. Um, and Rottweilers, yeah, they're the fun breed because because really they can kill you like that. And they do their security job, but they'd really rather chase a ball. Absolutely. I don't I'm think I would. Toy. If I went in to break into your house, I'd bring a, a toy and just start throwing it. <laughs> My male is different. The female oh, yeah? is the bigger one. The female, weirdly enough, she's the bigger one. But my male, he's he just turned four. So he's still okay. going in. Filling out. Maturity, but 
he's the one that is insane and in incredibly protective and on guard all the time and he he can be fucking vicious and dangerous it freaks me out a little bit <laughs> but, <laughs> i heard it in your voice yeah man because it's real when i play with him he gets fucking crazy and for a rottweiler to be that big that dog can sit on his you know like sitting if i tell him to sit and if i tell him to jump he can almost hit my ceiling he could jump <laughs> off high as fuck super agile and like turn on a dime he's not normal he's insane he's crazy i love it um i'm sorry to get to to get off topic i guess but uh puppies are awesome oh yeah and and especially that they have two jobs like that you know and those two jobs are so different number one he they, they bring love and affection inside of the house and then they also uh you know protect it yeah oh yeah the even your mean Cujo dog does bring love and affection in the house. I hope you're oh, not like, no, nah, dude, he's full on all the time. Okay. He, yeah. He's an energizer bunny. He wants to play, 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 play all day long, man. Drives my other one fucking crazy. <laughs> but like right now when we got food coming to the house. He will try to, he's already broken windows, put his head through glass. Um, he will try to kill anyone that comes on my fucking front porch. Any animal, dog, fuck anything that comes on my front porch. If I put him on a leash and I bring him outside, he will let me introduce him to people. But if you move too fast, he he's might funny come, on you. He might come at you a little bit. <laughs> there, that that was what brought me, you know, to talking about when you were saying the German Shepherd passing a joint to your friend, you might lose your hand. You yeah. mess around this guy, and he might fucking also eat your arm too. Right on. It might just be those. See, I was probably just involved with one German shepherd that was that way. And that there is just a dog trait that is like, no, I'm watching you, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 human says you're okay, but I've seen my human do some pretty stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll reserve judgment until after you've left and no one's been hurt. And what kind of dog do you got that knocked you off of your uh, your thing? Oh, I, I've got. Oh, the, yeah. I was letting you know my phone took a bath, and, and yeah. we weren't sure how the audio was going to turn. Um, I was on my stand-up paddle board, and I take out my dog. He is an American bulldog. Oh, um, looks like a pit bull, but with a smaller head. Beautiful. And we got him as a as a puppy, as a rescue, and so he has hip dysplasia. And it was also during COVID, and so it wasn't easy to get him acclimated with people as well. So I understand the you know there's a there's a trepidation that you have to have as an owner that understands that, yes, my dog doesn't bite, but he has teeth, so he bites. Anything with teeth bites. I had a kid tell me that one time. But he asked me, and he like, he point blank says, he says, your dog bite? And this is a different dog I had. It was super nice. But it's like, uh, I was like, no, he doesn't bite. And he just looked at me like I was some kind of liar. He's like, he got teeth. <laughs> He's like, okay, he, he bites. bites. Okay. <laughs> okay, but he yeah. doesn't bite humans. He was saying it as he that's, pet him, though. That's a good rule of thumb, though, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it, yeah, don't let no one tell you different. If so, it, like, you know, those little dogs, they bite, too. Uh, like, like, you should always be cautious around a dog, understanding that it could bite. Not fearful, yeah, but cautious. The fearful might get you bit. Smart. 
oh, they're they're the biggest problem for my guy. Because if my dog goes up against another dog that's not outrageously scared of him or something, then the engagement is usually just kind of at at worst a couple of growls. And then he'll mind and come back and heal next to me, you know, and that's yeah. if he got off his lead or something like when we go on the paddle board this last time, he knocked me off um, and I pick up trash around the lake because it I don't know, because why have a bunch of fucking Walmart bags in here? I don't get it. So I pick up the Walmart bags and, and the Amazon packaging and then he, he knocked me off. Uh, or he knocked he jumped off and knocked some of the trash off. I stayed on this time. I pick up the trash, get it on in its place. But somebody was walking their dog on the path that I didn't see as I was getting the rest of the trash back onto the paddle board. And he went up to sniff him. Then he started growling with him. So then I, I yelled that he was bad and then yelled, come. He came. But it was still if that had been a little dog and that little dog didn't respond like the bigger dog that met up with him was used to having dogs around was just like, oh, what the fuck? You're a little antsy, dude. Why are you growling? He didn't growl back. He didn't bare his teeth. But if a little dog had tried to tear into him, I think it could have been a bloodbath. So I have to be very vigilant because I don't need anybody's little chihuahua getting mauled and then me have to put my dog down or something and then financially, you know, give this person their $10,000 for whatever that mutt's worth. Yep. Damn tongue Dude, falling out of its head and you uh, want to tell me it's $12,000 sentimental value. My, I'm sorry. Go on. No, my brother-in-law, uh, probably like three years ago, he had a pit bull a rescue. Um, his name was, uh, fuck, what the fuck was his name? Anyway, it was, I just remember, he, he names his dogs. He has a, another pit bull and a, and a French bulldog right now, too. And he named, they named their dogs after, after alcohol, you know, at whiskey. So, okay. One, Jameson and the other one, fuck, I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, the dog pitbulls can jump, man. And they had a pretty high fence. And their neighbor's kid was outside playing and like running back and forth in the front of the house. The dog fucking leaped over the fence and attacked. Snatched him. Yep, attacked this little girl. Um, and how bad? Face. Yep. Yep. And the head. Yep. But not it wasn't like deadly you know uh right. but scarring and right Ch- life-changing life-changing and the neighbors demanded that he put the dog down so um i don't know i get that i'll put a dog down in and we i kind of have that convo with my dog too is like you, you you go out of line with them teeth you know you got to go down. I mean, he, under, I don't know if he understands, I guess, yeah, but you, you the motherfuckers can understand, man. I have a love for my dog, but I also have to be respectful of the humans. You know, I can't have the relationship with my dog endangering other people. I heard about that lady whose chimp tried to like tore her friend's face off was trying to save the chimp. You're like, nah, I think that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> we- no, that's, that's that thing belongs in the fucking wild you can't have those things man dogs are at least domesticated you know no man don't ruin my dream i grew up watching was that show uh anyway which but loose clint eastwood and that orangutan in the truck Oh yeah, for sure now orangutans i think are a bit different man than chimps you can own an orangutan i don't know about like trainable they got bigger brains they're yeah you know they're 
much more of a docile animal. They're not as active and they're not as. Tiger King owned two of them. Uh, Orangutans? Yep. For 10 years, he owned them. And then he got 20 years sentence. He said he he treated those orangutans terrible. Uh, He understands uh, now. Yeah, fucking bet. bet. Weird ass karma. I thought when I heard that, I was like, that's some weird ass karma. Maybe it ain't karma, but that's you got two orangutans, 10 years in captivity. You fought. You didn't give a fuck about them because they didn't make you no money. But now you get put in prison. Now you understand. Like, that's a high level. Listen to me getting my, my soapbox. Let me get off my soapbox. Gary, why did I invite you here? I invited you here to tell me about your story. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, I, uh, let's let's get back to growing up in the hard ass hood, brother. And and what got you out of it was one, your girl, and then getting into this extremely competitive Jade Dragon, where uh, it seems like that's a place that would almost inspire that just by name. The more I think about it, isn't like if you're jaded, you're a little jealous, aren't you? You're certainly hurt and offended and from that you might go ahead and lash out at people oh definitely um, these old timers were scared of you coming in with a badass portfolio i'm betting yeah yeah that was definitely part of it and you know, we had to work 14 and a half hour days in that fucking joint six days a week you only had one day off he only had 15 minutes for fucking lunch um, and every five minutes that you were late, you had to pay them 50 bucks. <laughs> um, Are some of these things sound questionably, even possibly not legal. Yeah, dude. Also, you made did he, they made 60 percent. Did right? you get um, insurance and uh, or any any kind of <laughs> was it all under the table? Fuck no, yeah, dude. It was as much on the table as they could possibly do you, man. And like uh Yeah, then I guess all those rules exist just fine then if you're like, yeah, no, fifty bucks for every five minutes you're late. Yep. And then you were doing like I said, you're you would make forty percent. They would make sixty off of every tattoo. Mm-hmm. Every tattoo that was over eighty dollars, which was everything, you had to give the client a free t shirt and a free coffee mug. And came out of your pocket. Yep, you paid for that. Now, <laughs> did you also you buy it to, from them? Yeah, you had to, you had to buy it from them at the end of the and, day. So like and was there a, an added cost then to you too? It wasn't just manufacturing. I'm kind of loving this. It's no, dirty, yeah, but I can definitely added on cost. They definitely profited off of every shirt that we sold to. Right. And they had this th- these people in there, and they called them floor walkers. And you had to pay the floor walker fee every week. We all had to pay thirty bucks a week for this floor walker and floor to walker keep him up, to keep you honest. No, it was the floor walker would be. They would walk around the shop. Now the shop was three storefronts large. It was fucking massive. This place that's and big. Was, Is that right in Chicago too? Yeah, and there was okay. four artists in that joint at all times. Open from noon until two a.m. Every. Are you, it sounds like then you must have been busy the whole time. Oh yeah, it was extremely busy, but they were making majority of the money because after all your little floor walker fees and your mugs mm-hmm. and fees, we're only really making about thirty percent. What were the floor walkers doing again? What was their job? So when a person walked in, they would greet them, and the place was full of flash we weren't really able 
or allowed to do like custom work. And if people wanted like a portrait, they had specific artists that were allowed to do portraits. Nobody else was allowed to touch a portrait except for those specific guys. And they were like the older guys and they were, they were fucking doing shit, terrible fucking portraits, man. <laughs> they were fucking dope, terrible. Um, right. And, Did you express interest at any time to do portraits? Yeah. And they and beat the shit out of your even audacity to suggest it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> and then if I had a client that specifically asked for me, you know, mm-hmm. to do portrait, they would still try to steer them away from me doing the portraits and give it to the other guys. And they were like the high paying pieces. Not right. only that, but like they had, dude, they had a body chart, right? And this body chart, if you wanted a tattoo on your foot, it was plus 90%. If you wanted a tattoo on your hand, it was plus 90%. Something on your chest was plus 40%. You know, like stomach, mm-hmm. ribs were plus fucking 60% or 70% on top of the price that they were giving you. And they had a $50 minimum. And just say if you wanted your name in Old English across across your back, which back in the 90s, that was a, a huge thing. A lot of people got that. Oh, yeah. The jocker. The first fucking... The left. rocker was on the stomach and the jocker was on the back, right? For the football guys. Yep. Your jersey. So, but Old English, man, because I want it to be cool. It's like not everybody's name looks cool in Old English, buddy. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of it looked like shit. Terrible <laughs> You can't know, even like, read it now like you got all capitals <laughs> with the first with the first letter being you know let's say three to four inches in size right they yeah. were charge 250 bucks for the first letter and then like 200 dollars a letter after that so just to get your name across your back dude it was like a fucking thousand bucks right they were, they were clobbering people in the fucking 90s and but then you must have been doing all right then at that percentage. How well? How long did you last? You said you were there longer than than uh, Picasso. Yeah, I was there for like eight years or so, nine years or something like that. They start giving you bumps no, on the percentage at that point. Do you become no, the no no? Do no. you become the portrait guy ever? No. Oh my no. God! <laughs> you know what happened? Well, at that point, they're just wasting their resources. Fat Joe fucking died, and uh, we all went to his funeral and all that stuff, and his son and his mom, like, took over the place. And at that point, I'm not going to speak ill about... Well, a lot changes in any kind of situation like that, I can imagine already. Yeah. No one knows who the leadership is. There's Everybody starts... There's a whole new pecking order waiting to be described. Everybody starts doing their shit. And then the the people that are stepping into the vacuum of the leader, it takes a lot for them to do it. Like they're, they're having more political shit to go through than even the people inside the the shop. Right. It's, it's like a succession, right? If you watch any kind of reality show, it's like something like that, you know, where everybody's got to do their politics and uh, the the quality usually suffers. Is, Is that shop still around? Yeah, but it dwindled down to now, I think, down to one store. They closed down the other two stores. And and believe it or not, it's still the same fucking guys, man. They, they're they like, from the very beginning of the shop opening in like 1981, 
one of those guys that started all the way back then is still working there. And then a guy that started shortly thereafter, like in the mid eighties, he's still working there. And then a guy that started working there maybe a year after me, uh, his name is Ryan. Love the fucking kid. He's fucking awesome. Awesome personality. Just a really chill, fucking cool dude. And uh, we he's still there too. Yep, he's still there. And we hazed the shit out of him on his first day. You know what we did to that dude on the very first day? <laughs> there. We made him pull his fucking pants down. And the piercers at that shop used to use freeze spray to numb. Uh-huh. Like no okay. spray. Right. Uh but if you leave it on the skin too much, you'll get fucking frostbite. Burn. Dead. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we made this dude pull his fucking pants down and we freeze sprayed his actual asshole until he got fucking freezer burn on his asshole. The poor kid couldn't sit down. Oh my fucking god, you torturous bastard. For a week. <laughs> couldn't wipe his ass. Oh, it hurt to take a shit. Like, it was fucking so bad. Oh, my God. Who is the nasty person that suggested this? Was this you? You're like, no, hey, here's no. what I know. No, 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 no. <laughs> but everybody got fucking hazed in some way, shape, or form. Dude. Oh, that poor you kid. Fucking earn your way to work there because... There was no other place in the city that you were going to work to make that kind and of money with the advertising. He's still working there? Yeah. He fucking After still that works. traumatic experience, he doesn't want to go through the hazing process anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the shit that we fucking used to do. Dude, there was a, there was a homeless guy. Think about the shit that he had to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the shit he had to do the things. next day. I'll tell you, I'm having soup for the rest of the week. Dude, we're... <laughs> My diet plan's just changed. Nothing heavy. It's a good time to fucking Ramadan or fasting. Yeah. (laughs) We would fucking haze other people and have the piercer, like, pierce their fucking lips shut with barbells, man. Like, dumb shit. You want to work here, motherfucker? This is what you're going to have to do. No lawsuits. No lawsuits. No lawsuits. (laughs) Not today, buddy. It was a rite of passage, man. You don't get away with that today. These kids will be crying right away. I went to work. Mom, mom, listen to this. First off, I'm living at home. The American dream's broken. Mom, I went to work. These guys say I can tattoo there, but they want they want to pierce my lips together. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I called the ACL. You? Yep. I don't even know who. <laughs> I've had fucking. I've had this one guy, this fucking crazy fucking motherfucker, a big giant ass dude. He was talking to a client, like some dude. It was, it was like. You know, his tattoo, he's working on this fucking guy. And, uh, you know, they were going back and forth about this fucking design and how to get it to work. And I just put my two cents in. Hey, man, why don't you, like, do this like this or whatever? Boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't like that very much. He fucking pulled me to the side and kind of backed me into a corner and fucking pulled a knife out and was about to fucking stab me until another saw <laughs> him, like, literally in motion to fucking stab me and grab the dude's arm. I was like, no, 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 you can't fucking do that shit. What the fuck are you doing, man? What the fuck was this a new hire? Is this some old timer that was there? No, he was he was back and forth. He would go work at Jade for like a month, then quit, and then go back. He was a dude from Indiana, and um, he had oh fucking tattoos all over his face. And he was like, 
<laughs> did they say I hate my mom? No, no. But That's a callback, kids. You're welcome. I know. <laughs> but uh, pretty close. Pretty close. A little, uh, I would say a bit more on the on the aggressive side. Man, this guy was fucking insane. You couldn't tell him nothing. You couldn't talk to him about nothing. You couldn't. I was just trying to help the fucking guy. And he lost his ever-loving fucking mind. <laughs> You want to tattoo your client, bro. It wasn't even me trying to steal your fucking client away because there was a lot of that shit going around in that place. Like, yeah, and still the owner, you weren't allowed to have a phone, you weren't allowed to have a computer, you weren't allowed to have uh any TVs or anything on any kind of downtime. He didn't even want us talking to each other to like conspiracize about. Oh, let's open up a shop together. It sounds smart. <laughs> like I, I hate how genius it sounds. But I mean, Coldstone Creamery and Quiznos did something almost similar. You know, like that. It's a uh, except for the the aspect of maybe hazing buttholes, but like, yeah, <laughs> this, this guy's got a business plan. You might be able to follow. Hazing buttholes obviously actually worked. That guy still works there. That yeah. is a so testament. Works. <laughs> to breaking somebody down and building them back up within you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, yep. but you got out, of, did when you leave, is it, do you feel like Peter Gabriel leaving men at work for anybody that might know that reference? Um, Salisbury Hill, uh, what do, do you feel like a uh, freedom? Oh, hell yeah, man. What hell leads yeah. to you leaving then? Did, did you already have your next shopping plan? So, no, what leads to me leaving was pursuing my dream of owning my own shop. And I started with that being literally just a dream, not wanting to work for um, the owner's son and wife anymore because I knew shit was about to go down with them and not not being tattoo artists themselves. And they grew up in the industry, his son worked there not as a tattooer or anything just like a managing position right and the wife yeah, as, as the boss's son though am i wrong exactly that's, that's um, never a good position to have but no man he was a fucking dick to everyone in there everyone in there there was times where it was so busy in the play in the shop that you couldn't even walk from one store to the other there were so many people in there trying to get mm -hmm. tattooed and he came to me in my fucking station with the the design that the person wanted, all sized out. That's the floor walker's job. They help the people pick out the tattoo they want, give them the price. They agree on it, yada, 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 where it's going on the body, body chart, all that shit. And he took the money and the design and stapled it to the fucking, uh, you know, the stencil and comes to my station. He's like, how long how long do you have left on this fucking tattoo? I'm like, I don't know. I just fucking started. He's like, hurry the fuck up. This is your next fucking tattoo and slams it on my fucking station. <laughs> and then fucking walks out and tells me to hurry the fuck up. And it, this sounds like I'll he's never he's... forget it because my client that I was tattooing at the point at that mm -hmm. time was like, Oh shit, are you gonna rush through my tattoo now? Because they're trying of to course. Yeah. Are you? Am I going to get a fucked up tattoo? And I'm like, hell no, man. Don't just relax. But just the way that it made that client feel in that moment. And then like all that, that 
boiling point because that was after Fat Joe passed away, and that was new management taking over, and I could already see how shit was gonna go. I was like, I guess right. I gotta open up my own fucking right. shop. So they thought they were being too easy on you guys for a long time. They're like, these oh, kids had too easy when dad yeah, was around. There was no too easy, nothing. <laughs> no, it didn't sound easy, but they imagined that because I it seems like when the when new people they they think the way to turn production up is by by killing the business, usually. Exactly. So I made I made a pipe dream thing. Oh, I'm gonna fucking open up a shop. I'm gonna open up a shop. I'm gonna open up a shop. Started talking to people that I trusted or thought so that I trusted in that place, mm-hmm. and talking about this pipe dream of opening up another shop. And they ran and they told fucking Joey, which is mm-hmm. you know, uh, the owner's son. And then after that. They were like, are you opening up another fucking shop, your own fucking shop, and you're trying to steal our artists and this, that, and that? I was like, no. I'm not fucking going anywhere. People can have fucking dreams, though. You know? And yeah. We could talk on those fucking dreams. And if that's what you're talking about, then yeah, I always have had a dream. I'm sure everybody in here has a dream of owning their own shop. Actually, right. if we were fucking having the time and availability to do so when we worked 14 and a half fucking hours here is pretty fucking impossible. And they're like, well, it sounds like you don't want to fucking work here anymore anyway. So why don't you just pack your fucking box and get the fuck out? And they fired me. And they made your life. They, yep, they, they saved did. you. You were already there for eight years. That was too long for you, brother. You know that when you stepped out. Yep. And then I did. And then uh, it was all fucking uphill. Thank God from there, man. You know? And, <laughs> thank God it was uphill. It was harder. Yeah, it was hard because of choices that I made. I tried to open up my, you know, the very first shop in downtown Chicago, which I didn't fully oh, uh. do in the <laughs> beginning. You took you took the the meager amount of money you had and tried to tried to be right there fighting against that big giant. Exactly. Yep. And do you're like, I'll be David in this fight. And try to give my artists health insurance and 401k and all these Mm -hmm. things that I had dreams of doing and just like running it better for the artists themselves. And just rent in that fucking place alone was 10 grand a month. (laughs) And it was just fucking hard man uh and that's where i met pony you know pony lawson right yes yes he does uh i haven't really seen him but i heard he's doing amazing yeah he's small miniature portraits right yeah and he's got his own little podcasting and um he's growing his uh youtube page with you know his tattoo critiques which is doing really well um but he He's from Indiana, and um, he was working in a similar situation, like a Indiana version of a fucking Jade Dragon, and was trying to get out of there and came to the shop from people that we knew together and heard about my shop, Windy City Inc., and, you know, came and asked for a fucking job. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, you can come fucking work here. So he came and worked was that a, the early start of the shop? Yeah, uh, different name, and I had a different business partner back then, and um, some things went down to where that shop had to close. Uh, I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. Uh, 
but that shop had to close and I had to start again and I started again and pony stayed with me and we did, you know, that so, one. And so uh, the first one's the learning experience. How, how many, and how many years was that? Oh, uh, we, uh, we, I had that place for maybe three or four years and then okay. I just success still, I mean, somewhat <laughs> success to be in business three years. Yeah. I guess that's right when they start going out and it's usually because a partnership will break up. Yeah. Um, so I moved the shop across the street and instead of Windy City Inc., we called it Windy City Tattoo Gallery and Pony stayed on board with me and, and a couple of the other artists stayed and we did our thing and um, the building that we got ourselves into across the street it was supposed to be two floors upstairs and downstairs and the downstairs was like this, you know, finished basement area that we we're going to just kind of use as our storage and like sterilization area and like chill room and stuff like that. And then upstairs tattoo shop. Well, when we were like painting, it was like the fucking second day of having the keys to the joint. We're like painting and decorating the upstairs and getting all that stuff in order it was a bad fucking rainstorm that happened in Chicago and it Blood? flooded the fucking whole basement with all of our tattoo equipment, like our chairs and fucking armrests, like all you know. Yeah, all but you're a smart stuff. business kid, so you knew to have insurance. And I did, and I oh, did you did get that stuff back, <laughs> right? I did get that stuff back, but the landlord of the place refused to do anything about repairing the basement so it wouldn't fucking flood again and like right. getting the mold out and you know any of that fucking bullshit so and it was in my lease that per square footage the basement was included in you know that amount of square footage that I was paying per month and I contacted my lawyer which was a friend of mine from fucking high school and uh he was like well yeah it's like if you can't use that fucking square footage, then you should only be paying him for the square footage that you can actually use. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm going to write him this letter of intent and all this stuff. And the guy never fucking replied to the letter of intent, never replied to fixing or repairing so I can use the basement and, and, and like, mm -hmm. yeah. And have your business. Yeah. And pay for that. Fulfill the contract more importantly. Exactly. So he was like, what we're going to do next, because he's not uh, he's not responding to any of this stuff is you're just going to pay him a check every month for the amount of square footage that you can actually use. And once he cashes those checks into his bank account, then he is, accepts it. He's illegally accepting yeah. letter of intent. So I was doing that for a while. And then uh, he was cashing all the checks. And this motherfucker decided he was going to take me to court for back rent of the portion of the basement that I wasn't paying for. Right. And me and Pony were doing a guest spot. And Pony wasn't my business partner at that at that point in time either. Um, is he now? He is now, yeah. We own the shop together now. Is that the uh, other podcast you've been on? Huh? Is that the other podcast you've been on? No. No, no, no. Damn. He's, he don't like you that much, huh? Well, no, no, no. He hasn't even, I don't even think he's like done. He's only doing like his YouTube shows right now with his tattoo critiques. And I don't okay. think he's done, he's only done one podcast so far, and that was with Flip Shades. Like, oh, right on. 
I think okay. Shades talked about that possibly. Yeah, he was on here with me. I'm, I'm, but the, I appreciate even hearing this because now, now I got somebody to reach out to. So I was, you know, you're always like, I wonder if we want to get on next. I've been kind of blessed with having you guys, all the Ink Master crew. Uh, but you know, eventually, you. right? That shit can only go so long, right? Yeah. So, um, dude, fucking my landlord tried to take us to court, mm. and my fucking dumbass lawyer man didn't show up to two of the fucking court dates. Like he was supposed to, because me and Pony were doing a guest spot at Brandon Bond's shop. All in or Georgia, nothing. all or nothing. Yep. Yeah, we were both there doing that, and there was a court date that my lawyer knew that I wasn't going to be able to make it to, and uh, the first one that he didn't make it to got continued to the date that I was not going to be able to make it to, and he was going to make it to, but he didn't go. So yes. the judge fucking gave the. Award to him. Award to the fucking to the dude, and I was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm out. Then me and Pony decided that we were going to start over fresh together as business partners, which is the best thing that's fucking ever happened for both of us because we are we are in a much better place um, as two fucking amazing artists and two great minds together, like making. (laughs) A fucking huge difference in the the Chicago tattoo world here, man. Like, where is the uh, shop located now? Now we're in um, we're so River North is downtown. We're Mm -hmm. west, which is just on the outskirts of downtown, still in. And it's also known as the nice one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm making it up. The neighborhood's. It's fucking beautiful. The shop is fucking beautiful. Everybody that comes in is like, holy shit, this place is fucking dope. And Gian. uh, Who just tattooed you recently. Yeah, he just did a two-week guest spot at the shop. Oh, was that where? So you sent me some pictures. That That was Gian tattooing you in your shop now. Yeah, he was in my station. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he was tattooing me in my station. I wanted to get tattooed in my station. Did you guys have fun? How was it? Oh yeah, man. It was it's always great having that motherfucker. I love that dude, man. He's fucking awesome. When you guys you guys competed against each other at one point, didn't you? Who me and Gian? Was that a different season? Yeah. No, I wasn't. He he was a season right uh he was season twelve, wasn't he? Yeah, he was season, I think, eight or nine. Oh, she's <laughs> so he was on before me. He was on the on the season that uh that Ryan Ashley won. Oh, okay. Right on, yeah. He was in the finale with Ryan Ashley and Kelly Doty, I think. It was them three or something like that on his season. And then he was just on this past season that just aired now. And he was in the finale again, but he was in the finale against DJ. And, and that DJ was yeah for the third time. That was DJ's third win. Okay. Well, how's you? You sound bitter. No, 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 no. It's great. <laughs> okay. DJ, DJ is a fucking a force not to be reckoned with, man. That's a bad motherfucker right there, dude. Yeah. So when you go up against a guy like that, man. It's always. Well, why does he get three three attempts? How about that? Well, that's 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 the bitter part, right? That's okay. The, that's the <laughs> yes. part where you're like, 
All right, dude. Like you've proven yourself not once, twice, but now three times. It's well. Did he benefit from that change? You are, bro. We already know how much of a badass you are, man. You don't got to keep. Well, going. he came in with the former winners, though. Is that right? And then he kind of picked up from there. In this last season. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Did you cut off on me again? You lost me again. No. Yep. Okay, man. Now I can hear it. Yeah. All right. I, I'm sorry, brother. How you good? Um, but he he came in. Uh, DJ came in with the other former winners. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And I think it was just designed for in the very beginning or how they made it seem like it was designed to be just a, a one day kind of challenge to put these guys, you know, like the, the contestants against some ink masters, you know what I mean? Some actual winners. And then right. stood against those guys to kind of see how they, would, how they would progress throughout the rest of the season. And then the, the previous winners got the chance to actually make the choice to stay on and compete for, for a, a title again, which, you know, was fucking cool. But also if I was in the position of the original contestants, having them stay on, mm -hmm. yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's like, all right, now I already had these guys to go through. Now I got to go through more fucking people to to fucking win. And not just regular people, but people that have already won and know the game so fucking. Right. Just and originally, weren't they supposed to go against international stars that just weren't able to come over because of the pandemic? Yep. Yeah. And all of this shit has changed too. It's no longer being filmed in New York and Jersey anymore. So that's it. Vancouver, right? Yeah. Or was it Toronto? So uh, that leaves our boy Gian out in the lurch yet again. God yeah, but you know the, he did amazing. the most fucked over Ink Master ever. Because even um, even eventually they rewarded Clean Rock for all his participation, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> now that's a that's a stipulation too. Did they did they finally just give in and award it to him, or did he actually deservingly win? Which I think he actually deservingly win, and he should have won in previous seasons too. Because fucking Clean is a fucking killer too, man. He's a badass mm. motherfucker. You know, he got shafted a bunch of times too. But, He's kind of from your area, uh, right? If you're doing two thumbs, yeah, yeah, he is originally from. The Chicago area, yeah. Yeah. So you guys, did you ever run cross paths uh, tattooing? Back in the day. Yeah. 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 All right. On. No, was it quite some time, but uh, not in a sense to where like you know I wouldn't like come out with him or anything. It was more in passing and like tattoo conventions and stuff, and just saying kind of like what's up. But now that we're you know, Ink Master alumni and Ink Master like family, our relationship has grown a lot more to where now when I see him, it's what's up, dude? Like, 
you know, hugs and yeah. fucking conversations and how you doing, how's family, how's life. And so imagine like this with me. You go back as you want to, as you and, and you are the character that you want to be. And then they walk in clean, DJ Gian. Yeah. What happens? You still that guy? Still that asshole? Fuck yeah, dude. Absolutely. A bigger asshole because you know them and you're like, I'm able, I, I know Gian lived with me for two weeks, so I know how to pull his buttons. Yeah, not just that. It's also, you know, um, styles, capabilities, weaknesses, you know what I mean? Strengths. You, you learn all these things from these artists and, and uh, same thing with DJ. He was on my season with me so you that's know. your kung fu training. You're looking for their weaknesses. Exactly. Where can I punch them? Exactly. You got it. So where do you, where do you punch Gian? Where what's his weakness? You gotta kick him in the dick. Um <laughs> so always that's my go-to in any fight. <laughs> I, like immediate, like if, if I know we're fighting, I'm gonna try and kick you in the dick first and punch it and poke you in the eyes. Yeah, and then I'm running really fast, as fast yeah. as I can. Well, <laughs> as fast as I can for a short distance, and then I'm going to conserve some energy because, uh, you know, I don't know how long this is going to go. Maybe you fucking train. I like it. <laughs> I like it. But where, where, so you so you to when you see Gian kick him in the dick. No, how do you how do you <laughs> metaphorically kick him in the dick artistically? Um, realism, bro. You make him do what you do. Yeah, make him do what I do. And but it's now not, he spent two he weeks can't. with you. What if this time was all subversive, sabotage was all uh, so he could study your techniques and apply them? Well, if it is, then that's smart on him, right? That's okay, yeah, um, yeah, could have been espionage that was just performed at your shop and you don't even know it. Yeah, yeah, that'll be awesome. So then I'm calling for it. Let's put it into the ether. That'll, there that'll is an ultimate showdown now, but there and and Tamby, what the fuck is Tamby's weakness? Tamby doesn't really have a weakness, and that's the that's the big. Thing. I I see it. You guys, nobody else sees it. I see his weakness. No one else sees it. I don't know why anybody. It's his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like Clark Kent glasses. They put some kind of mind fuck on everybody that sees them. You got to fucking get through them glasses. Make them glasses the focal point of everything. Like every cut down you have, bring it back to his glasses and be like, yeah, that is what somebody with glasses like that would think. Exactly. Completely ambiguous until eventually it becomes negative. And he's like, why are you always on my glasses? Now you've broken them. <laughs> Steve, Steve Teft has tried to do that, pull that shit with... Uh with dj too and try to fuck with him about his glasses and he's yeah but steve isn't coming from the position huh steve with his 500 dollars shirts and his funny haircuts not coming from the position where he can where he can say these things you have to come from a position where you don't give a fuck or whatever or you feel that you got everything on point i don't know maybe you would have to be like anthony michaels or something you know some gq kind of style that could really just cut Suavecito motherfucking sweetheart dude, man. He's such a fucking sweetheart, man. I love that guy too, man. He's fucking awesome. Anthony You've, Michael. Really yeah, I should, we, we should have thrown him into the mix. What if it is all these, and you, and you do have to, you have no problem calling these friends, and these respected colleagues? No. They're going to call me out on my shit. I'm going to call them mm. out on their fucking shit. 
And it's yeah, all it's you're going to go first this time. Trash. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Why the fuck not? You're like, dude, that thing was fucking trash. And I, I like it. Done better, but you didn't. And I'm coming for you. You fucking garbage water drinking motherfucker. It's like the WWE kind of attitude. Like how the, the audacity you would even step in the ring lets me know I can start throwing jabs. Yeah, immediately, exactly. right? Okay, right, exactly. And I don't even know like the strategy against somebody like Gian, like throwing him realism. I'm just saying that because I've never seen him do realism. I don't actually know if he can or can't do. Realism. I think that's one that it's plays against zone. you. You're right. And then I, I know because if they ex, if you set the bar too low for the expectations because they have the storyline to say, well, I never do it, you know, and then yeah. it, it is like I'm not saying that realism's easy, but nowadays with the amount of technical ability people have and then the breadth of, of learning that you can do just off the Internet in a TikTok afternoon, you know, um. I think it's more attainable. And then when the judges are able to apply that, well, he doesn't normally do it. Then you might've shot yourself in the foot, yeah. you know? Yep. And that's where all hell can fucking break loose and going against a dude like DJ, which can fucking literally do any fucking style he wants to and just pull it out of his fucking ass and do a stellar damn job. It's really hard to, uh, you know, find something where you're going to stump him up. But at the end of the day, you just got to be a little bit more creative, which is also extremely hard. You just got to come up with something a little bit more creative, do something and just add a little bit more oomph, you know, yeah. to stand out against a guy like fucking DJ. Now, that's something that, especially with past judges, really would shoot people in the foot a lot of times. Like yeah. trying to be creative outside of the box with older judges. Do you feel that that changes with the new guard? Oh, Do yeah. You have more room to experiment. Oh, yeah, dude. Like Nico is extremely talented and very creative. And, you know, he does portraits and photorealism. And he's also, you know, his composition with that stuff. And, and like when you're doing a sleeve of nothing but like portraits, right? You have to. Mm you have to put those together in a way where it's just a portrait on top of a portrait or next to another portrait. You gotta, you have to put that with some creative flow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a patchwork of portraits guy. can look great for Instagram for each individual tattoo. But when you look at the over overall bodysuit, they can right. almost be horrific. And, you know, just like what the right. hell is going He's on there? Fucking talented at that shit right and then you got ryan ashley which is also a very creative mind and i think that she's gotten a lot more creative and open-minded to different styles because of her husband arlo which is a fucking mm -hmm. awful incredibly creative talented artist that she's fucking shit from and their whole fucking shop is super dynamic. So if I'm a TV guy, I'm trying to work with them in that shop. Am I wrong? That is, if it's not even a staged, it should be a staged one reality show because the, the whole, the whole church, right. The whole, um, Sheffield's out there. Uh, yep. Arlo himself. Yep. That, 
that thing's a, a reality happen. I know. That's what we're trying to do. It's too many pretty people in one area. That's yeah. what I see. Exactly. Honestly, makes me feel a little uncomfortable. I couldn't watch it. It'd be like the Kardashians or something. You're like, are these people real? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like that's real skin. No, I can't. That's what we're trying to build. You know, for the past, me and Pony have been trying to build for the past ten years with our shop too. Um, is is a reality based show? No, no, no. Just bringing nothing but extremely high caliber powerhouse fucking artists. And that's the family that we have in there right now. Everybody in that fucking house is insane, man. Everyone is so fucking badass. You're not getting a bad tattoo at all from anyone in there. And it's just the way we want it to be. And not just tattoo-wise, personality-wise. Everybody is fucking just so friendly, so open-minded. We Does that help you learn? Other, yeah, we learn something new every fucking day. Okay. And some the the fear, I guess, could be that if you have people that are good at a style, then you don't even concern yourself with that style anymore, and you can focus on yours. But then, unfortunately, you go back to the field and you try. You have to perform, and maybe you wouldn't. You, you're not finding that you actually are learning from watching other people love the style they do. Yeah, exactly. And all the guest artists, do you know who Sad Amish is too? No, I'm sorry. Um, he does uh, like bondage style tattoos, very fine line, extremely high detail, like stuff. Very incredible artist, bro. What do you mean bondage? It, it can't be. It's images of bondage. You mean then? Yes. In, images of bondage. Yes. Okay. That's all the stuff that he does. Um, he's got like... It, there is that much of a niche that you can just do. That's pretty awesome. No, when I see those on people, I always feel like they're trying to make me look at a dirty magazine. I'm like, ah, I ain't doing it. Yeah. Looking. But he's fucking incredible <laughs> at it. And he comes and does guest spots at the shop. So we try to like, we try to get as many guest artists as we can also that are doing all this other, other styles of things too. So we can also absorb in that and share with them what we do and they share with us what they do and um like every other week we have a different guest artist in the shop too and we have two two uh guest bar uh, guest artist stations so we can have multiple in the shop at once dude we just try to keep growing and growing and growing and knowledge and and putting out knowledge and beautiful you know like for those that are lovers of knowledge yeah man and where's like, where you see it in five years years. from now in five years from now yeah you say it's growing so at one point is this like the energizer bunny and now it's nuclear yep do we will we have to fear you no okay you want to you will want to be a part of it that's gonna make me get ai yes (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna want to you know come and see what it's all about and that's the goal like come on by do some tattoos fucking eat some chicago fucking food and see the sights and come and fucking chit chat with us you know what i mean that's that's the ultimate goal 
Did you Let's try out for former seasons of Ink Masters? Now I think, but they had a. Uh, I was a casting in Chicago. You were one back in the day. Yeah. That was uh, for season three. Way back. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. So did Picasso. Okay, they didn't like him those years. Nope, they didn't, they didn't like, like you either. No, and they from like season one, every single fucking season that came out, somebody would call me. We want you to be a part of this. And yeah, you tried that the first season. And now what's fucking changed? I'm going to go and do all this shit again. And still nothing. And it happened. How did your re re reaction to it later. change? Did you at first like love it? And then eventually you're just like, fuck you guys. When? When I was like. When you're dealing with them calling every at the beginning of every season. Because you didn't no. go on till 10, right? Right. I got excited every single time. Like, okay, maybe I'm going to get on now. Maybe I'm going to get on now. Maybe I, this is my shot now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And then it finally fucking happened. And I'm grateful for it. And the whole then fucking you, experience. Then you show up. So many different ways. It becomes a, a coach's versus as well, though. So when you show up and it becomes that, how much was there a letdown uh, or a feeling of like, this isn't right? For what? Because when you got, you say season 10 was um, each former Ink Master right, had their own team. Yeah, that's, so when I got casted on there, I asked that question before I accepted being on. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't want to be on a fucking team. I want to represent myself, you know, and I want to go through this on my own. Because that's ultimately what it's going to be in the fucking end anyway. And they're mm. like, no, no, it's not going to be teams. It's going to be completely different. We got, you know, a whole. You had verbal assurances of sorts. Yeah. And then when I get there, of course, they fucking throw it at us that it's fucking teams. And it was a little disappointing, but it didn't take away the excitement. Did you still see the faces of the people who formerly had given you those verbal assurances? Yeah, I did. They were still your producers? Yeah. Yep. They're like, they're like the gigs up. Okay, we're liars. Yeah, and it's okay, you know. It's okay. Like I said, I didn't. Our really... job's to trick you. Yeah, our job. Their job is to trick you. Their job is to keep you on your toes every fucking day. Like you don't know what you're doing the day you when you wake up until the fucking morning, and they pop you up here. This is what we're doing today. Big reactions, guys. Big reactions. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Walk with purpose. Yeah. Is that so, when they uh, tell you to? Yeah. Yeah. How about being on hard ice? Hard ice faux show. Hard they gotta ice. change that to something else. And we call I, I guess it works. We did though. We, we called it hard rice. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. Just to fuck with them, you know. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, yeah. I imagine everybody's eventually okay. God, hard ice, huh? Not not soft ice. This shit ain't cracking. Okay. That ice is cracking. You know, eventually, uh, that's the problem with going back on other seasons, though is you you see the cracks in the hard ice and maybe back behind behind the camera be, because of your knowledge of production and stuff you do things more i don't know you're like they're not filming me now i don't need to stand right there and i'm like no stand and you're like nah they're not i get it you guys look at that's going on no no you have to too um it, just that you know so much about the production that you you almost don't you don't adhere to the hard ice, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see that for sure. But that's okay. You know, that's all part of 
of learning, right? And not making the same mistakes twice and then using other learning things to your fucking advantage. And, you know. You think you'll take a hard eye serious the next time or not? No. I took it less serious. Yeah. No. I bet you did. I bet you did. And I probably it's, would too. I don't know if it was good for me. It might have worked against me because you also know that these same people are conspiring against you in rooms or for you or on your behalf in rooms uh, when conversations are being taken place. So maybe you want them to be nice. Like, no, he respects the hard ice. We should keep him here. He keeps all his comments for the camera. Yeah. That's our guy. Yeah, I guess. Oh, well. I'm trying to figure out how to become productions, bitch. I should stop that. We don't need to put that forward. And at, at that point, I do realize I've probably stayed too long and said too much, but I'd like to give everybody a chance to put me in a hot seat and uh, and ask me anything that you would. you have any questions? Yeah. How was, how was your experiences? Because you had two of them, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing, you know? Uh, I know the uh, first one was a little rough when you're... Uh, when you went at Chris and I'm pretty sure you, well, that was the second one. Oh, um, that was the second it, one, but it did build on one that was the prior. We had kind of fought slightly before he didn't care for me. I think at one point, I don't think he ever knew how much I respected him because of some choices I saw him made uh, for other contestants earlier. And it kind of bothered me that they used him as, as the guy that went at me, but yeah, I, I mean, the overall, I think you experienced too, is like, uh, if someone's staring at you, you don't know if they want to punch you, you know, or maybe you got toilet paper on your heel, right? Uh, but after the show, you can just imagine that the reason they're staring at you is because they saw you on TV and they like you. They're trying to figure out if that's the same guy now that he's bald. Yep. You know? Yep. And uh, to me, that's a piece that, that, helps me get around in areas so i'm I'm not yeah I'm, the the being associated with it was awesome doing these podcasts have been awesome because yeah. they give me a contact with other people's perspective and they've they, they've hurt my ego somewhat because i would like to believe it is this way you know and then i have to see it from other contestants perspectives and it 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 isn't my way <laughs> it wasn't necessarily that everybody wanted, you know, that they were conspiring against me. It was that they were making, they were conspiring to make an entertaining show. Yeah. And, uh, and I get that. And I couldn't you know, figure out how that, to be in the better part. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Me too. And I'd started figuring that out by the time it was too late for me. And they were, you know, in my opinion, gearing me to get off because I kept hearing every day, uh, from producers you need to step up you need to talk shit we we want you to be this chicago fucking hard ass we want you to you know how does that feel doesn't that feel at one point like so this isn't about my actual performance as an artist yeah that's what fucking started to piss me off you know mm -hmm. and, and i'm not like that i used to be but i'm not like that anymore and i didn't want you know, potential fans and potential new clients, my old clients, my family to see me being this fucking jerk on national television. You know, that's not what I went there. Well, to. What's what's got you reconciled with it now? Now that I fully understand what what mm -hmm. they wanted from 
not only watching my season a few times and watching new seasons and all the old seasons and, you know, seeing the people that actually progressed through the show. Did you go back and watch old seasons then after you were already done filming? I did, but I rewatched them because I already watched them from before, but okay, watching them from a different perspective now, like being on the show and re- being able to recognize like what certain situations really were like, you know what I mean? Right. right. Um, and what, what's being fed to people or not like that's something he might've said something like that. They gave him that sound bite. He yeah. regurgitated it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and knowing all of those things and knowing that the ultimate goal for the producers and the show itself is to make good television. They don't want it to be boring. They want the viewers to have, you know, action and drama and intrigue and amazement with art all encompassed into one beautiful fucking experience of a show. And if I'm not putting my, um, not, not my two cents, but you know, like my, if I'm not playing my part in that, then I'm not just disappointing myself, but I'm disappointing, you know, the producers and their position. Mm, Yeah. And you're you're not you're not getting the full potential of the whole show, right? And and I'm not being a part of that either. So I feel I like that's the way they control or use bias on the judges as well, <laughs> or 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 that they have the most of an influence over that. Yeah. In so you know, take for instance, take for instance the the my last episode, the the tipping point for me and having to go up against Josh and do these, you know, these two photorealistic tigers. And, you know, he fucking did this crooked eyed ass bullshit tiger. And the first thing that you do, when you look at an animal, you look at a person, you're fucking looking into the eyes of something. The first thing that you notice looking at that too, the very first thing you see are these fucking uh, crooked ass eyes. In the tiger. Well, one of them was watching its back. Yeah, dude. And it <laughs> Up, the other was oh. the eye of the tiger and, and but i know that you happen to love crooked tiger eyes it, yeah personally they're part of your fashion statement yep because <laughs> i have a, i have a fucking a necklace made off of it now i have a crooked eyed tiger tattooed on my fucking arm like uh, didn't you get a leather jacket also made of the of a crooked eye tiger yeah and a hat too yeah for sure because it's going to be forever reminder for me to do mm-hmm. better, you know? And um, they also have my faults as well in these things too. Like they got me for, they said my, my, my whiskers on my tiger were, they look like the tiger got electrocuted. So they were electrified whiskers. So even on my tattoo that I have, it has fucking electrified whiskers, but in my defense, Nobody's going to fucking sit there and stare at every individual fucking whisker. When you look at the fucking tattoo, the first thing you see an eye right away, fucking eye right away is fucked up. So, you know, that's that's a no brainer. But the whole critique for that was about four fucking hours long. And 
it, it came down to how long were they used? That's that seems abnormally long. It usually, at most, we'd notice 20 minutes, maybe 40 minutes would be like really a long critique. Yeah, dude, this was like fucking four hours long. And um, Dave Navarro was getting frustrated and he was like, All right, you know what? We have to fucking we have to fucking make a decision enough with this back and forth shit. <laughs> yeah, and he's got it's like he, he's got some hooker waiting in his room. Yeah. And I saw him fucking put his finger up to his ear and kind of mm. go, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Cause he had an earpiece in his ear that I yeah. never noticed until that day. This guy had a, a fucking earpiece in his ear and he was listening to Yeah, all of them. Likely fucking, you know, producers telling them what to fucking say and do about certain things. And he was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. All right. Five minute break. And then me and Josh both like fucking collapsed to the floor, just standing there, you know, for right. those, that long ass period of time. We fucking were like, fuck, this is crazy. And then. So the they really didn't goes, know uh, then who to send home. Right. No. They had to. Okay. So they, they took a five minute break. They walked out, probably talked to Andrea and, you know, some other producers. I don't really know. But they talked to somebody or just amongst them, each other and were like, well, we can't get rid of Josh because we get rid of Josh at this point in the fucking show. Then all the drama is going to fucking go out the window. And, you know, certainly if they, if they, if they took that break, it does add to the conspiracy that they needed it to confer and that, and that Josh's value would have been stressed from the production side. Right. They would be like, listen, Josh talks. Correct. Even so as long as we're putting everything on the table, who would who would we want here? We would want Josh, right? Um, so within seconds, they sat down and they were like, "All right, ready? Yep. All right, cool. Gary, you do not have what it takes to be Ink Master." And it was over no all back. deliberation. There was no deliberation after they came back. Nope. They none. added nothing to the conversations they had already okay. had. They had enough to work with. Well, nothing at all. Once they came back and sat down, it was instantaneous. Gary, you do not have what it takes to be Ink Master. Boom, it was done. What was it? That, now, was that, uh, that leads me to ask, how is it then that you would, because then you're going to have to really re-impress them in some way to get back on. Are you are you reaching out to them? Are you doing Dude, casting? I've been, re- I've been reaching out since I'm so butthurt by the way that that all went down for me. Uh-huh. And knowing what I can bring to the table and knowing what they want me to bring to the table now, um, like everything has changed. My whole perspective has changed. My whole attitude towards it has changed. And the bitterness is still there from, you know, being taken out of that show. I never went to the bottom ever fucking once. I never got a really bad critique ever once. Even by doing mediocre fucking tattoos, bro. In the very beginning, I should say, actually, the very beginning when they were picking teams, nobody wanted me on their team in the very beginning because I didn't put any outlines in any of my tattoos. So they couldn't really judge that. But I didn't get a bad critique. And then... I got a second chance the next day to prove myself again. And I did another tattoo and, you know, there was nothing really bad they can say, but it wasn't a style that they were kind of looking for. But Steve, Steve was like, yeah, I like this fucking guy. 
He's got fucking grit and he's been tattooing for a long time. I'm going to fucking take him and put me, put him on my fucking team. So thankfully that happened. And then ever since then, you know, I just kind of rode the back of the fucking, the back of the fucking train and just tried to stay everybody out of everybody's way until it was time for me to fucking actually step up and fucking shine. That's the game that I tried to play. And I know that that game now wasn't the right approach and I know what the right approach is. So I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> and that's and guns blazing with guns fucking blazing and fuck all and bring not only uh, not to toot my horn or anything, but my skill in the fucking game, but a new attitude with the game. You know what well, I mean? I know yeah, that Andrea listens to every podcast I know I make personally. I know this because she's always in the comments section hiding under an anonymous name. I won't, I won't reveal her source, but so I think she's going to hear this. I've reached out to Andrea a million and one times. I also just recently was in Disney world with my, uh, my wife for our anniversary. And mm -hmm. I didn't know that she, um, well, I'm not going to reveal. Yeah, her, but they're, they're down but around I, there somewhere. Sometimes I saw her and her family there and, it was nice experience, you know, and I, I met her children and I met her husband and we chit chatted for a few minutes. And, you know, I always text her like, did you house. put it on her at, when you got face to face? Like, hey, put me on the show. No, because I didn't want to put her on the spot like that. You know, that was the place I'm, I'm being uh, <laughs> I was being respectful. She said, I'm stalking you, lady. I was I'm here to make sure you put me on there. You know, you don't want none of the Chicago anger directed but, at you. No, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to put her on the spot with her family there, you know, and get into that conversation and take away from her family with <clears> that whole thing. So I was just trying to be res respectful as possible. But I do, you know, every couple months send her a text message. Hey, I'm still around. Like, put me on. Or every holiday, I wish her happy holidays, her birthday, all that stuff. I reach out, and um, once in a blue moon, she'll actually reply back to me with like a thank you and like Merry Christmas to you too. Oh, or nice. Something like that <laughs> once or twice out of, you know, the past six years. But I do try my hardest. Well, it's nice to know you're not blocked though. You're still on there for holidays, you know? Yeah. And, you know, her Instagram posts, I always try to make myself active and comment and like and stuff like that. And, Every new season that comes out, I go on the Wink Ink Master fucking um, website and fill out the whole application all over again. I do Dude, all I of it. I think I got some advice for you. Then. What I think I do is like you gotta you gotta play uh, a little harder to get. You, you might be putting it out there too open, and that, so they're like, "Ah, we got this anytime we want." So you go to the back burner. You got to make it seem you know, like tenuous, you got to have a contract deal with somebody else. That's what another, a third party interested. How long was your contract when your contracts probably run out by now? Yeah. That's, that's my legal term. Yeah. It's, it's run out now. Yeah. 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 So uh, who is it? Start talking to best ink or somebody. They don't have a fucking job. <laughs> no, but no, make your own. Talk? That's, that's what I, um, you know, we talked about, having uh arlo and his girl do it maybe it's your shop dude so listen if you could cut this part out that i'm about to tell you and leave this mm, i can part, 
between you and I. I don't, um, tattooing, you know, it has its ups and downs. I'm back yeah. on a good upswing right now where everybody's having me do cool stuff. But man, there's a long time after the Ink Master where I just didn't have a good process to put people through that ended up with a tattoo that I liked. And That's then who wanted to even do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You'll get it, though. Oh, I got, yeah, Candy's, Candy's streamlined. Well, actually, probably edit this part out, too. <laughs> Dude, thanks for being a part of this. Yeah, I really do pleasure, man. It. I really enjoyed it. And and I'll do it again if you want me to also. It's great. Awesome. And when you have yours, as I strongly suggest everybody get a podcast, uh, when you have yours, I'll be on it. Please have me on it. Dude, Please have absolutely. me on it. Absolutely. That'll be fucking rad. All right. Talk to you later, brother. Yeah. Take care, man.